Hello everyone and welcome to our latest episode of What's New in Cloud FinOps. This is the episode for the March news of 2023 with myself, Stephen Old, and my friend... Franck Contrepoix. Hello, Frank. Hello. Not loads of news today, so hopefully quite a quick episode, but you've been doing some really cool stuff in the background, which we're going to talk about at the end, which I'm excited about. Um, and I think it's straight to you for some news. Yes. So the first news is for me. It's Amazon. Neptune Serverless now scales down to one NCU to save costs. So the Neptune, uh, Amazon Neptune is a database. I think it's a graph database. So it's a very specific and niche database. And there is a serverless option. And until now, you could only scale down to what is 2.5 Neptune capacity units but now they've reduced it to one which means that the smallest instance you can run is one ncu which is very cool because if you are just needing as most people probably will be trying trying neptune are just at the beginning they want it to be as small as possible to keep as cheap as possible so that's good news fantastic and then straight on to me for the uh, next piece of news this is that AWS Database Migration Service Fleet Advisor now supports target recommendations. Um, so this has become generally available. And I mean, the, the clue's in the title, right? But it actually gives advice on what you should be moving to um, based on a, a series of metrics. And it's you know all built into the DMS product, which is in, I'd say, most regions, probably not. Yeah, I'll say it's, it's. I mean, it's been around for a long time, hasn't it? As as DMS, and they've they've added this piece straight on. So it's in. I'm just having a look through the regions, and it's it's in the ones you'd expect. You know, it's in. Yeah, it's in a good mix. So that's a nice news, and hopefully that will reduce the amount of right sizing that's needed post migration. And the problem is, and I don't know if, if you see this, Frank. I see this a lot. People are less likely to right size RDS. Oh yes. Or database in general, because. Yes. It's a, you know, you've already just had the downtime to move and probably been shouted at for your customers. Any horizontal scaling requires you to, to you know, close down and, and, and open back up. So, uh, yeah, getting that right first time or getting that closer to right should reduce that cost. And you know, there's yes. a lot of talk at the moment in the market about people not realizing the value of cloud from a lift and shift. And this is yes. one of the many reasons why. Exactly. And there is also, if you if you come like me from the DBA world, is every time you change one parameter, there are another 20 you need to change in the database engine if you're doing your mm. job correctly. And so you end up and say, oh, we've reduced the, the memory. So, oh, crap, I need to change all the settings. So that, that's, by the way, it's an interesting point. I always find it, uh, interesting is that I don't think that RDS, DBs are, uh, if, depending on the size, the instance that the software will be configured appropriately mm -hmm. like if you have a postgres x large should it be configured differently than a postgres 2x large i'm not sure you get that i think you get the standard option i'll need to check that's uh, anyway that's for me uh good point my next news is still on rds is for MariaDB, and it is now supports rds optimized rights and we've talked about it in the past is that there is a new way that AWS uses to write on the storage for DB and that allows to be twice time uh, faster. It's not really faster, but you can do the double amount of transactions. Yes. Uh, so it's really cool. It doesn't cost anything more and it is 
Uh, it also helps a lot with logs so that it's guaranteed that the logs will not be corrupted. There, there are lots of interesting things coming out of this capability because lots of database survive, really, thanks mm. to, to the storage or, or are as efficient as the storage is fast. Absolutely right. Um, the next one for me, and this one's a little bit of a cheeky one, uh, and may I say also how much better life is now we've found a better way of finding Azure news. Uh, still haven't found a good way of finding GCP news, um, listeners. I had this week for you, I went through all of the release notes for March to try to find stuff. So if anyone at Google is listening and you have a better resource for this, please save me some time because that was painful. Anyway, this one is from our friends at Microsoft and it's uh, written by Peter Carlin, uh, the Corporate Vice President of Azure Databases Services. And why this one's a bit cheeky is very rarely do we find a a blog or an article that literally calls out a competitor by name. Yes. But the title of this article is Microsoft Azure Innovation Powers Leading Price Performance for SQL Server. And when you go into it, it's a report done by GigaOM, um, the analyst there, or the analyst firm, and the analyst at the analyst firm. And um, basically what it says is that SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machines, so this is not the managed service, SQL Server on Azure Virtual Machines up to 57% faster and costing up to 54% less than AWS EC2 on a price performance basis with Azure Hybrid Benefit and the three-year commitment. So that means a load of caveats, but very rarely do we see people really call that out. And I thought that was an interesting one. And, you know, we do see, and, and you know, Frank is, uh, attests to this, the the importance of kind of following the data and how powerful the data is and the gravity that creates. And, and you know, database is a big part of that as yes. well. And when you are a heavy SQL house and you're looking at this, it's these kind of pieces that do grab the attention of those looking at the the, the, you know, the ROIs and the TCOs and stuff. Oh, yes. And, and it's quite interesting. They are right that quite often it's not really used because you, you never know how much data you, you're going to generate up front. You just know it's going to grow, but you don't know mm. how much gen- data you're going to generate up front. And it's compounding the, the, the interest in the piece. But yes, uh, I think we need some sound effect. Oh, I need to do the sound effect. I didn't do it at the beginning. Uh, Hey, we are in visibility. That's billing conductor, tags, cost categories, all these kind of things. And the first one is uh, from AWS, uh, allow listing tool for testing new billing, cost management, and account console permission. permissions. Uh, the, the interesting bit is that they, they are cha- they, there is more new permissions, IAM permissions, more fine grain for billing, cost management, and account services, which is very welcome because in the past it was an all or nothing approach. Now it's, uh, it is much better, but yet every time you change something and it becomes more locked in, it's very hard to find the right combination to show what you want to show you, what you want to enable your person to see only what they need to see, especially if you are using uh, the list, what is the, the, mini, yeah, the minimum level of, uh, of permissions? Because yeah. uh, until now, probably people were just forbidden or allowed. Now you need to go more granular. And so they've created a tool, an approach that allows you to test or to generate those permissions in a simpler and better way. That's how I understand it at all, uh, at least. Fantastic. That's it. Um, still in visibility. Um, and 
this one kind of sneaks in because it's around AWS cost anomaly detection uh, and cost explorer. But basically the news uh, that's released at the end of March is that AWS cost anomaly detection now automatically configured for all new cost explorer users. While previously you would have to, any new user would have to uh, set up, uh, enable cost explorer, then set up cost monitors and then alerting preferences and then subscribe to an email. The new automatic configuration removes that and with launch, um, an AWS service monitor and a daily email subscription will be created for all new cloud, uh, cost explorer users That's that nice. are enabled after March the 27th. I mean, cost anomaly detection is, you know, can set up its, its red herrings, but for no additional effort now, people are just getting that bit more visibility, a bit more viewpoint. Um, if the actual spend is over $100 and exceeds 40% of expected spend, I think then you get the alert to standard. So it's a very standardized yeah. um, rule, but, you know, it's, it's something. Hopefully it's not going to be another email that people will start ignoring because, exactly. hey, it's arrived every single day. Exactly. That's always the concern, <laughs> isn't it, with these things? I, I remember my old time when we, we, we just, uh, how many alerts this night tonight? Oh, 200. Ah, ignore. Everything's running. <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, so next one, I need some sound effect. Oh yeah, yeah. And this one's really cool as well. Not the sound effect, the bit of news. Commitment. So that was uh, a discovery done by uh, John Bryant in uh, where where I work. So he, he, there is a new RDS instance type, which is the R7G. So it's a Graviton one. And what we noticed is that the RDS one d- do not well, does not have. RIs. So you cannot buy an RI for an R7G uh, DB. And I've I've looked on the calculator with Postgres, definitely not there. I'm pretty sure uh, it's the same for any other. So is that a sign from AWS mm-hmm. that they don't have the capacity at the moment for R7G or uh, in all the real or something like this? I don't know. But that was quite interesting to discover that sometimes there are no RIs. Yeah. I was very surprised. I, I don't because normally their RIs are released with an instance. You know, as soon as something's there, it's it's normally there. But the pricing doesn't exist in in anywhere, does it? It's not on the pricing website. It's not on the API. Um, yeah, so that one is so. very interesting. So maybe it's just uh, well, you can't imagine it's an oversight because it's such a standard piece of their their world. You know, and they release instances all the time. Yeah, but I, I don't know. And even the docu- the in, inside you have this. So I was looking for the pricing. It shows, yeah, utilization on demand only. It's when you go, so when you go to the pricing model, you will mm. just get uh, the, you will just see on demand. Yeah. And I was, th- that was shocking, which is why we're highlighted and we're highlighting here to you guys. It's just to say, it might be just a mistake. It might be something, but Hey, like we discovered the five percent increase of a generation over generation. Now we found you the first instance type that is doesn't have a RIs at the beginning. Yeah. Um, right, and then to my next one. This is more just like a, a nice little thing that we found out, and and it was it was released. But you can now download the savings plans price sheet for Azure. Um, and you can find this in uh, Learn, Azure, Cost Management and Billing, Azure Savings Plans. You can find it under there. And you can actually download the EA price sheet and the MCA price sheet. Um, 
which is which is really useful because actually it can be a bit harder to find out the pricing i think or you know just because of it being quite a new change and all this stuff and it doesn't automatically yes. take over the pricing of something else like it was convertible ris for aws um so now that's there it exists and it walks you through how to find it so you can get the full price plan records for whichever service you are well whichever flavor of, of azure you're on and is it me or i remember that azure every customer has a different price plan so this is going to download your mm, specific savings plan so so if you're on an mca which means you're either pay as you go or you're on csp then no you're on one the they have a single driven price book led from um from dollars the okay. eas they were holding 28 separate price books based on currencies <laughs> okay. but now they are changing that and that's why they had the nine percent uh price change because that was an fx okay. adjustment so what what seems to happen with that with eas and i don't know if all this is an um nda but i'm not dealing with any, any so this is just knowledge from that i've just found out without ever being put in nda for it you know you get a and then a discounted like a bit like a, an AWS EDP or a, a Google commit off that price book. Um, okay. So I, I think it's still centralized price books then with some negotiated pricing discount changes to those. So I don't, so I would imagine on your EA price sheet that calculation is already done for you. Okay. You would think, yeah, well, I don't know yeah. for sure. Well, okay. Well, as usual, Listeners, if you know something and want to share it with us, we are working hard to create new communication channels like on LinkedIn, YouTube, and all this kind of stuff. But feel free just to try to sending us an email or comments uh, on wherever you find us. <laughs> now, again, music, please, maestro. Yeah, keep being... Savings, and I am on uh, Azure. So this is GA Spot Priority Mix. Uh, this is so Azure is excited to announce. Uh, I am happy to announce that there is a general availability of spot priority mix, which means that you can mix now into the same uh, group of scalability, both spot and standard VMs. And then it will just start trying to use, I guess, my guess would be start going to try to see spot. And if spot is not available or if spot are being recalled, it's going to start normal VMs. But you can now have both together you can choose a base number of standard vms a percentage split of spot and standard vms to be used then for scaling and so well that's that's quite cool because finally you don't have to choose one or the other you can just mix and match and i remember us talking about a similar release which i think must have been yes. maybe december november because it's not in this document because we do it by year um with all the news on for aws where we talked about it and we thought it was pretty cool so yes uh, you know it's it's obviously been seen as something that um, is worth having across the piece um next one i have i don't want to go into too much detail about it um but is that you can minimize cold starts with recommender on uh, on google and so it's it's a bit tricky because this is release notes stuff uh but um, cloud functions uh, minimum instance recommendations are now available in preview on recommender 
and you can also um, reduce your your cold starts with this um, this release where it detects a function that could benefit from setting up minimum instance sizes. In other words, functions that are likely to be negatively affected by cold start issues. Informs the user about the opportunity to eliminate the cold start issues and lets users set up the minimum instance directly from the recommendation system, which is quite nice. You don't have to then go out of it. You can click and get it sorted from there. Um, and it's automatically available, um, the recommendation after deployment for a function as soon as it's been running for a week, which I think is really cool. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's a, a nice new touch. It was um, a bit tricky to find, but at least we've brought some news from the Google world. <laughs> I think that's a cool thing to be talking about. Yes, it is. Don't know, don't know why they don't do blogs about them. Make my life easier. <laughs> well, it's just because they, they want us to, to search and dig and find them there. Yeah. They want someone to read their release notes. Yes. They may have work <laughs> maybe, they put into maybe. Wow, look, we got one person reading at that stuff. And yeah, that's deep. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yes. So we've got, now we are into the storage thing, a storage section. Uh, I have two S3 uh, news. One is uh, GA, so it's AWS Data Exchange for Amazon S3. With Data Exchange is, is a way to either find subscribed uh, third-party data file. So, for example, and I think that started when there was COVID, that there are, for example, some mm-hmm. hospitals or some big statistics that everyone wanted to access. And you could say, hey, I, I have interesting data there. You can put it into an S3 bucket and you can start in some yeah. form of way, either monetize it or at least making it available to other people in a structured and, and controlled way. So that is quite cool. Uh, it's... AWS, it's available. It's a GA. So have a look at that. It, it the was, other, it started with yeah. things like IMDb, which I think a lot of people yes. didn't realize Amazon owned, and they basically made all that yes. data available. And it was basically it started being a way of them being able to sell their own data, and then yeah. it stretched out. And yeah, it found some really u- good uses in um, in COVID times. Nice. Didn't know that. The second news is introducing mount 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 point for Amazon S3 high-performance open-source file client. So the idea is that you, they create, so this is an alpha release. So very, very early, you might have all Anything sorts of change. problems. <laughs> Everything can change. You might destroy whatever data you're accessing. So yeah, keep, keep, don't use it in prod. Yet it normally will allow you to mount. So if you're coming from a Linux file system world or Unix file system world, it means that you can have it just as a folder. You can go into a folder onto your Unix system and it's going to be listing stuff that is in S3. So all of a sudden it's possible to copy and move things without having to rely on the AWS client, for example. It is managed directly by the operating system. That is quite cool. I want to try it out. Uh, but it's an alpha, so I'm, uh, maybe we'll see. But there is a <laughs> there is a GitHub, there is a technical blog, there is a roadmap. You have documentation. Yet it is an alpha, so reading easy, probably writing. Eh. <laughs> and next, I've got one of those beautiful ones that occasionally Microsoft do, where the entire thing is six lines. Uh, so. I, the reading up was not a lot of work. Uh, and that is that you can now do more transactions at no additional cost for Azure standard SSD. Uh, so they are talking about as part of their commitment to deliver the best possible value for Azure uh, disk storage customers, we're announcing a waiver for billable transactions that go beyond the hourly limit 
Azure standard SSD customers. As a result, we made changes to the billable transaction cost per hour that can result in additional cost savings. But did you hear the, the magic word in there? Can. <laughs> so where this was multiple costs uh, split out, they've now been merged. And I imagine maybe the, the merged one has gone up a little bit. So you could save more. Um, mm. So I haven't looked into the actual costings of it because then you have to go and find old data to compare with the costs gone up and stuff. Um, and while we do a lot of stuff with uh, Amazon cost and billing data, because that's easy to get and handle, some of the Azure APIs are a little bit harder and still playing with. So I don't have um, background data. Might be worth asking our friend, um, John Bryan, um, who's got any. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he always surf there. He's always he's, he's yeah, incredible. A machine. Oh. Um, right. Well, I'll do the thing, but now we're on to some cool things that you've been seeing. So that's, yeah, Misk, silly. It's, uh, so recently I've been playing again. I went back to, you know, data on my core because I was getting slightly bored of doing uh Non-tech stuff. Sometimes I need to go back to tech, and so I I did some some work, and uh, one of the thing I, I updated Windows license cost on AWS. How much do they cost? And Red Hat also license cost on AWS. I use a tool which is called Observable. So if you go to observablehq.com, uh, you can search for probably if you search Windows license, you'll find me, or R A R H E L license, you'll find. And uh, But the idea, which was very, very interesting, for example, is when you put the numbers, so the numbers that come out are quite interesting, but you end up like saying a Windows license, when it's provided by AWS, costs you something like $400 per vCPU per year. That's a lot. So mm. I, initially, I thought it, we would have a massive uh, capacity from uh, AWS to negotiate really good, good things or, or whatever, but it ends up by being in my opinion, quite expensive. So I, I understand now why there is an option, which is BYOL, bring yeah. your license to all of this. Uh, Red Hat is the same. I think it's 500 if you have less than four CPUs and 1,000 if you have more than four CPUs per instance in this case. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've created that into, you can go to the article. You can also go to a YouTube channel. Uh, at the moment, it's fully branded me but uh, um, I hope to change that and make it FinOps Guys branded. So that is going to become and uh, every research or every news that we found interesting or presentation we make in public, we'll try to record that and put it there. So not only we'll have now a podcast, but we'll also have some videos for you. Indeed. Um also, just for those listeners in the UK, um, I think there was a great, I couldn't make it, but there was the, did you go to the Shard uh, meetup? Yes, I did. I, I yeah. spoke there and I recorded the thing, which was, oh, my, I did a presentation there about who cares about FinOps. Nice, I like that. And then there's one in Leeds um, coming up as well, for those in the North of England, which I will try to uh, get to, um, childcare dependent. Um, so yeah, this is, which, which I get more, and um, hopefully we'll be able to see everyone that's going across to FinOpsX as well. Yes. Oh, and by the way, the, I think there is a FinOps event uh, quite that uh, my our good friend Mike Bradbury is organizing Manchester. I would be. There's another one in Manchester as well. I think yes, because yeah, I was trying one. to see if I could come up with that one to see you oh, before. Oh, mine. Yeah, come stay mine. <laughs> not not trying to say because it's so we're not that far, Steve and I. Okay, we just the train. It's some hours. 
Yeah, and you say the only place we're going to meet this year potentially is going to be San Diego, which yeah. sounds a little it's crazy. Mad, <laughs> Absolutely mad. Um, yeah, I've been like even when I come down to London recently, it's been for a meeting. So I've been down there for like two hours, like four hours to do two hours. I've had to start saying a bit less with, with things going on at home. Um, but there we go. I don't think there's any more news, and um, and this this just tells you how how. Um, how much of a chat this is between me and Frank that we're actually just talking about our, uh, our, our socialising when we might be able to get to events to see each other. Uh, but hopefully we'll get to see some of you at these <laughs> events that are coming up. I'm really excited for FinOps X and some really cool stuff. Um, yes. And oh, yeah. there, there is also a roadshow. I think you yes. also the, the FinOps roadshow. If you are there, uh, just look for... So for me, look for the red glasses. If you see a guy, bald guy with big red, round red glasses, that's me. That's right. Chat. Very happy to hear from you. It's always good to to know new people and uh, to discover that. Yeah, we have listeners. That's super cool. Love to talk to you guys. Yeah, let me see. I, I will see if I can get down. I was going to try to get to the Amsterdam one, but I couldn't. Yeah, just life stuff, you know. It's like at the moment, yes. um, company, family. Uh, finding times the podcast getting harder and harder but it's it's an important part of my my uh every two weeks and hopefully everyone's had a chance to listen to uh, the dina solace podcast which i, I yes. found really uh, really fantastic to do we've got some cool new ones coming um and thank you people who've been contacting us to to come on and and talk uh if you've got a topic we'd, we'd love to have you on um and yeah that's super right well i think we should probably uh, wrap it up frank because we need to go and do our yep. um our real jobs uh but everyone thank you for listening frank's thanks so much for your help as always and thank um, you steve always a pleasure yeah